You're listening to The Wise Woman Podcast, Season 2, Episode 28. I'm your host, Alicia Wilford, founder of Yoke and Abundance, a creative leadership coaching business. This podcast is designed to inspire by introducing you to creative women living abundantly. I hope you'll delight in this conversation between Katie Marshall and I. In today's show, Katie Marshall, who you heard from back in episode 15, turns the tables and interviews me to give you a better idea of who I am, what my work is, and what's on my mind right now. There are lots of nuggets of wisdom about business, entrepreneurship, and life in today's podcast. If this episode inspires you to step into your own power and explore where you are or are not in alignment in your own life, then you're in luck. I have freed up 10 30-minute coaching calls called Waking Wisdom Sessions for you in the month of March. These 30-minute calls are like an oil change for your soul. Short, sweet, to the point, and we'll get you back on track. But please don't delay in registering. They will fill up quickly as I don't offer them often. To register, head over to the website www.yokeandabundance.com and visit the Work With Me page. Now, on to today's episode after a word from our sponsor. This week's sponsor is Triad Local First, a nonprofit membership based organization in Greensboro, North Carolina with members throughout the Triad. Triad Local First members include independent, locally owned retail shops, real estate agents, insurance brokers, marketing and advertising firms, accountants, dentists, restaurants, farmers, breweries, and more. TLF's mission is a commitment to building a strong local economy and a vibrant, unique community. For more information on how to support local independent businesses throughout the year, visit www.triadlocalfirst.com. Katie Marshall, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. We're doing one of those episodes today where the tables are turned and And Katie Marshall (laughs) will be interviewing me today so you all can get to know what I'm up to a little bit better. I'm always really a little bit nervous when these I can honestly happen. feel it in the room. Like I'm very giddy and I can feel you sort of walking around looking at me like, what's she gonna do? I'm like, what's I'm, gonna happen? It's gonna be exciting. Okay, well, <laughs> uh, let me have it. <laughs> okay, so as I was just telling Alicia, uh, I have been researching you and looking you up and pulling stuff out to ask questions of. Which caused me to go, oh my God, now I'm scared. <laughs> if y'all could feel the energy in the room drop. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I've been researching you in her face. <laughs> oh, it's gonna be good. All right, it's all good things. Uh, let's start off with an easy one. Obviously, I wanna know about your worst childhood trauma. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm absolutely kidding. All right, so one of the ways that you describe yourself and your business as you've titled it, let's dive right into it, is as a leadership life and creativity coach. So my question is, how weird are you, would you say? <laughs> I'm really weird. So I mean, let's just like be honest. What do you do at parties, really? I'm the wallflower, typically speaking. Uh, um, but I think I've mentioned this before, like I'm such an introvert mm-hmm. and I can be extroverted where I need to be. 
Um, but at parties, you know, I don't, I'm not a small talker. Like I want to get right down to business. I want to be like, what's your biggest dream? What's your biggest desire? (laughs) Where are you going? Have you figured out how to make it happen yet? And I mean, that's literally where I pretty much go. Mm -hmm. Um, I also am better if I have something to do with my hands. So my friends, like if I'm, if I'm having a party with really close friends that I know, like for instance, New Year's Eve, we had like the type of party where we sat down and had a dinner and there were kids running around and they were just going to sit down and drink the rest of the night and, you know, play games and do silly things. And so I knit the whole time that we played games and talked, but it helped (laughs) me be less anxious, Uh especially because I was at a party where I was the only one not, like I'm with my closest friends who Mm -hmm. are all couples and I'm a single person. So it it helps me cut down the anxiety of like, oh my God, what am I doing with my life? (laughs) I'm knitting is the answer. Yes. (laughs) There's only this moment and what I'm doing with my life is knitting. And it's great. I but love it. Leadership, life, and creativity coach. Did you mm. want to know more about that? Yeah, of okay. course. And I want to know how you, what I mean by how weird are you is uh, some of us are like, oh, I'm in marketing. We're like, oh, yeah, we all like Mad Men. We all are into that. <laughs> but when you say life, leadership, creativity coach, it causes a bit of internal communication pause where intrapersonally I'm thinking, okay, how did you get there? What qualities of you came together in a constellation mm-hmm. to put you there. So what is it about you that got you there? And then what do you do with that? Like what's your water cycle of being and doing that thing? Yeah. You know, titling is so difficult, right? The worst. The worst. I love <laughs> my business name of Yoke yeah. and Abundance, but it doesn't, to, to an outsider, it's one of those names like Amazon. You don't really know what it is mm-hmm. um, until you kind of get into it. So. While it means something to me, it doesn't mean anything to the average person. And then there's that complex relationship between calling yourself a coach or calling yourself a consultant. And each of those things has different negative connotations, right? And so I feel like what I do is straightforward and ambiguous at the same time. Mm. So I love working with people that want to learn and grow and develop and want to get after what they really want, find clarity towards what they want. So that plays really, really well for folks that are, they know that there's more to this life that they're living, but they're not quite sure what it is yet. Like I do great with that demographic. And then there's the demographic of the entrepreneur who has a couple years in business and they could use that accountability person, they could use the person to to work with to get really, really clear on what their goals actually should be. And then setting the stage on how to get there. And I, creativity is the common thread for me that brings everything together. You're not gonna get to a role as a successful individual in business, in entrepreneurship, as an artist, in life period, if you don't embrace your own creativity in some form. Absolutely. So a lot of the work that I do with folks is introspection and mining yourself. And so it's that creative juice that I'm trying to like wake up and squeeze out of people, right? It's like, (laughs) first of all, wake up. Second of all, I'm gonna squeeze you. Third of all, you're gonna be juice. Deal. Deal. <laughs> Want to shake on it? <laughs> Perfect. Yes, yeah. exactly what I signed up for. So when you think about that creative work with you internally, 
when you're doing this for yourself, all these processes that you do for others, you, we try them out on, our, on ourselves first and right. we see what works, what doesn't. What have you found internally that really sticks with you? And what have you found just like there's no time or there's no need for that internal process? Mm. I feel like a broken record saying it, but morning pages are the mm. number one way for me to figure myself out. Like if I'm grappling with something, if I'm feeling anxiety towards something, if there is a new program I wanna develop, if there's something that just doesn't feel right in myself, I have to write my way through it. Mm. And often, because I, I just personally work this way, but I have to write my way through it also thinking about how I would explain it to another person. Uh. So, I don't always necessarily do that directly in the morning pages, but a lot of times my morning pages will, even though they're not for anyone else, a lot of times they'll turn into a blog post because I mm. realize like, if I were gonna sit myself down and talk to myself, hey girl. <laughs> yeah, like Alicia, get your, you know what, together. This is what I would, this is what I would want somebody to tell mm. me. So a lot of the past, and I'm not blogging as much from the heart as I used to, but a lot of my, past blog posts are just things that I needed to say to myself. Absolutely. It makes me think about the idea that the soul is constantly seeking to define and explain itself. Mm. And that so many of us become coaches not because we're very good at the things we do, but because we tried and tried and tried and failed and failed and failed. And through the suffering found something important and holy and worthy of sharing. And it's not because we're you know, I, I do presentation coaching. It's not because I was naturally a good speaker. It's because I tried it once and hit a lightning rod and then never practiced again for years and did it so badly. And I just felt the anguish of it and then worked on it. So there's so much of what you're saying is I need to sort of work on this thing myself. And I know it transcends just me because we're all connected in some way or another. And so now how do I share it with other people? Yes. That's Talk exactly what... I think I'm, that I've been trying to do. And it's funny, you know, you look at the Brene Browns mm. and you look at the Marie Forleos and you look at the Danielle Laportes and you look at these people that you feel like, at least at one point or another, I felt like they all had so much more wisdom than mm. I did. And I realized that what they were really doing was what you just said. They were trying to work things out for themselves and yeah. in the process of doing so it's basically like when a teacher tells you to do your math problem and show your work they don't really care what the answer is they want to know what <laughs> process you took to get there yes so what i think that i'm doing as a coach is trying to show folks like it's not really where you end up it's like your process to get there it's it, like i can give you some tools that will help provide the scaffolding yeah but you have to fill in the bones or you have to like fill in outside of the bones like yeah. you have to bring the meat and the potatoes to the table all these food references I know. I are you hungry be, are you no, okay no i'm not I'm okay <laughs> Do, can we get snacks on this podcast yeah, we next could time. next time it's a snack podcast yes i think you're right with needing to fill it in and what i want to know especially is with this internal work because it can feel so foreign as we go through our day-to-day -day lives of, you know, I get dressed, I go to work, I sit in an office, I come home, something feels like it's missing, but I don't know, and I, mm -hmm. you know, I ignore that gnawing feeling, and then, you know, I make dinner, which is, you know, as we discussed, bones and potatoes, and yeah. then I go on about watching, like, you know, 2020, and then I go to bed. Uh, when you live that life, and you don't really 
enact or tap into your internal work, what do you think, what's the introduction to internal work so that you don't feel so confused by it? Someone who's just living a very straight up kind of life, you want to introduce them into this. It sounds magical. Some, some of the start stuff. writing, you know, start, start writing. writing. Okay. And talking to a couple clients recently, I've had to say, it's going to get way messier before it gets better. Perfect. So it's like, congratulations, you just hired a coach because you thought you were going to gain a whole bunch of clarity. And yes, you are, but you know what? You have to roll around in the muck and the dirt and the mud first, and you're going to have a breakthrough, and then you're going to feel like crap again. Mm. And then you're going to have another breakthrough, and then you're going to feel like crap again, but you have to like be willing to get dirty. It's that fail hard, fail fast. Hmm idea it's not just for just not for entrepreneurs it's not just that you try once you just have to keep doing it over and over and over if you're someone that's committed to growth if you're someone that's committed to self-discovery so i want to talk about that fail fast fail often keep trying persistence is the overarching theme of this question so mm, that's what i'm yeah. hitting okay. on i want to talk to you about persistence and what i mean especially is a specific kind of persistence wherein you go for something, you fail, and then it feels like you're done. Yeah. Not just, you know, I'm tired, I'm exhausted. I mean, done, over. it feels like the, yeah, it feels like the journey's over. We're like, oh, I just failed too much. I can never keep going. How do you get out of that place, not just through persistence, but through internal work? And, and what are some ways maybe you've experienced that done feeling and you've kept going? Persistence in general, not just sending out 25 emails, but when you hear nothing back from any of those emails Crickets. for two weeks, then or what do you year. do? Or a year. What do yeah. you do? I mean, I think last year was a perfect example for me of um, it felt like every time I knocked, the door was not just closed, but slammed. Mm. And while I can put a great face on, because that's really important as a business owner to be able to... It's not that you're lying, it's that you have to continually get up and put your best face on for those that you're encountering because you know, it's law of attraction. You know, yeah. People wanna work with someone that's already figured it out. Um, and so last year was a major valley for me and it required persistence. So the thing that kept me going last year through that was one, this is gonna sound so trite but it's the number one thing that I think folks need to do outside mm -hmm. of morning pages is exercise. Ooh. Uh, you have to get your endorphins going. And I think when you're so low and you're so down, it can be the thing that feels like the least important. Yep. It can feel like it is the low, especially if you're trying to pay bills, mm. it seems like sitting down and writing another blog post or sending 25 more emails like you said is the more important thing yeah but you have to raise your vibration before you do those things absolutely and i i mean i think i can send say so many of these silly platitudes like you have you can't pour from an empty cup and you have to <laughs> fill up your cup before you can pour yes, to others needle point. yes, yes. <laughs> and it is so important to do those things whether you and so sometimes, I guess what I'm trying to say is you, like this is one of those times where it's like you have to put your big girl panties on and just do it even though you don't want to. Taking care of yourself in general. 
Yeah, but yeah. exercise specifically, like getting those endorphins yeah. going. Because if you're in a place that's a valley, if you're having a really difficult time, the thing that is gonna allow you to continue to be persistent when you feel done is the endorphins. Hmm. And unless you're doing drugs, you're not gonna get those. And I would prefer not to <laughs> do enough. drugs. Um, Fair enough. If I, if I know that I can stimulate that through going out and hitting the pavement hard for 30 minutes or taking a power yoga class, those things, or you know, I know that your your exercise of choice is martial arts, right? Like doing those things that's going to get your heart rate up and release the thing the the chemicals that you need to keep going. Certainly, the chemicals. What I was also just thinking too is something we've talked about before is the idea of yourself as as your home, and you have to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. And I had this other thought that we're going to jump to, which is I, I once read that the way your house looks could be a representation of how you're feeling. So if it's really messy in your house and you might be feeling really messy inside. And similarly, if you're not taking care of your yourself, then you may not be taking care of your business and the two may go hand in hand. So even if you, let's say you look really successful, you're, you're killing it at, at seminars, you're doing a bunch of presentations, your stuff is going out all over the place, uh, you might be exhausted and strained. And so then, especially as a coach, you might be coaching exhausted and yes. strained. So that idea of, of what you're presenting may also show how you feel internally. And I'm just wondering what you think about those two. Definitely, you want to present a strong front. You want to be there for people. And you can still help people when you're not always in your best spot. But how do you know when you're really clicked into, I'm helping myself and others? Like, How does that feel to you? Or what are the signals? How do you know you're doing it? Mm. When you know, you know. <laughs> That's so you just not looked helpful. at me like you were doing a the more you know commercial. I've never <laughs> that was seen the look him. in your eyes. I've never, never seen like, the more you know commercial. I'll, I'll send you a YouTube okay. clip later. Someone listening to this will get that joke. Okay. It's like a the more you know with the rainbow and the star. You were just so intent on that. You're like, when you know, you know. And that's it. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. So I am one of those weirdos that really enjoys 5 a.m. running and 6 a.m. yoga. Yikes. Yep, I, I love it. And um, and what I don't love is the getting up part. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, 20-minute period when I'm getting ready and I'm lacing up my shoes and I'm putting on my clothes and on a day like today when it's cold in February and you've got to bundle up for that run, that 20 minutes where you might just call your running buddy and be like, don't come, which I did today. So mm-hmm. full disclosure, I totally did that today. <laughs> we do this sometimes. Yeah, we do this sometimes. And it, but it was more out of a concern of it just being too so cold. Gross out. Um, but once you get past that and once you get going, you know, you probably feel fine. So you can yeah. make it through the workout. And then when you get done, it's 6 a.m. It's not even 6 a.m. And you have finished your workout for the day. It's like the hardest possible thing that I had. To, and I don't know why my workout feels like the hardest thing of mm. the day, but it does. So the hardest possible task of the day for me is done. So everything else from there feels so much lighter <laughs> because I've already accomplished the hardest thing of the day. So it gives me not only are the chemicals going. Right. There's that. There's that drug that yeah. I'm like totally high from Mm -hmm. but then there's also that okay I can conquer the world now and so it really feels like it that I can get more done now that is not to say that anybody else listening to this if you're not a morning person needs to become a morning person like I'm really anti 
oh, you're only going to be successful if you get up at 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. I mean, figure out your own body rhythm. Like, (laughs) what body rhythm is it that gives you that feeling of, like, hitting every cylinder on full speed? I want to, that sentence you said, first of all, as someone who is not by nature a morning person, when I wake up early, it's like this little internal experiment. I'm like, let's just see what happens. I'm always so amazed. I'm like, there's so much more day to be had. Like, can you believe people are just doing things before it hits double digits? It's always a surprise. Uh, That sentence you said, you'll only be successful if you wake up at five. How many of those things have you heard? You'll only be successful if da da da. And how many of those have proven to be true? I mean, they're silly. I mean, they're so many (laughs) are so so silly. And I think that when people say things like that, it's a reminder that they've got some growth mindset work to do. Sure. So it's all about, um, no, find the thing that works for you. What is, what are the things that are gonna lead to your success? What shoulds can you let go of mm. so that you can step into your best self? What, is a sh- what are some shoulds that you let go of? Especially last year, that was such a valley year. Let's learn from it, let's mine oh, it. Oh man. <laughs> well, honestly, yeah. This is going to sound counterintuitive to what I just said. Interesting. (laughs) Release the guilt for taking a nap at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Ugh, love a 2 p.m. nap. Um, As long as you're not afraid to work a little bit later Mm -hmm. through the afternoon. Um, But the thing that's counterintuitive to that is that as long as you're taking care of your body... Hmm. Um, if you can, if you know that you are on the right track, even when the doors are being slammed at your face, there's, there's an internal knowing that we have an intuition muscle that we need to flex. So, uh, I really believe that my time in corporate America, when I was doing not because it was corporate America, but because I did not belong there, um, I never belonged there. And I kept trying to tell my, I kept ignoring my intuition muscle, right? Like I kept stop. I was not flexing my intuition muscle. In fact, I was doing the equivalent with my intuition of sitting on the couch and eating potato chips, Mm. you know, five days a week. And every once in a while I'd be like, oh yeah, I'll follow my intuition. But it was like that like one day a week for like one second that I was following the intuition when the whole rest of the time I was sitting on the couch gorging on potato chips. Mm. There wasn't even muscle memory on how to use my intuition, right? So Mm -hmm. when I woke up to the message that my inner self was telling me that you're on the right track, in the beginning I got that insurgence of, yeah, you're on the right track, do this thing. And then I had the valley. Mm. But the valley wasn't telling me that I wasn't supposed to keep going. It was my intuition asking me if I was ready to work out. It was my intuition saying, okay, we're gonna keep adding more weight because we wanna know if you're serious about this. Are you gonna listen to us? Are you gonna let this intuition actually get stronger? Yep. So it's the continuing through, even when the door is shut, precisely because your intuition and your inner self and your inner being is telling you that you're on the right track. And you know the difference. Yeah. I can't tell you how you know the difference, yeah. but you do. I mean, I knew the difference when the door was getting slammed shut in my face 
at my corporate job the three times mm. that I applied for a management role and didn't get it. I knew in my gut I wasn't supposed to be there and I knew I wasn't getting that role for a reason. Yep. As opposed to, even though the door was getting slammed shut in my face a lot of last year, I knew in my gut that I was still on the right track and that I was just flexing my muscle. That idea of having an intuition muscle, it's uh, obviously a bit hard to define. Can you give us sort of an orbital definition, what that might be, your intuition muscle? You've talked about it a little bit, but what does that look like and how do you wake it up if it's not, if it's sitting on the couch, like you said? Yeah. First, you have to pay attention. You have to start, okay, you talked about earlier, like if you're the type of person that knows that you're doing this job you're not supposed to be doing, but you're, you're gonna, you kind of feel that, but you're not really gonna pay attention to it. You're gonna go yeah. home, you're gonna cook dinner, and then you're gonna watch 16 minutes yeah. for a little while. <laughs> and then you're yeah. gonna forget about it until you're kind of in that spot. The first thing is like paying attention. So it's like when you get home that day, remember, maybe sit down and write out like, what didn't you like that day? Like what didn't work for you? Like take a moment to acknowledge what's act what you're actually feeling instead of ignoring it. So that's just like a really easy baby step to start flexing that muscle. There's also a podcaster that um, I listen to. Um, I feel really conflicted about her in some ways, but I'm going to tell you all to listen to her anyway. It's the Lively Show with Jess Lively, <laughs> and she talks about how we have an inner being and that it's kind of like we're a bobblehead. And so it's like if you resonate, and I've talked to some clients about this, if you have feelings, you might imagine your inner being as somewhere in your gut or in your heart. Like that might be where you kind of feel like almost like your soul or your inner yeah. being or your feelings are coming from to yeah. a certain extent. And a lot of what's going on in your head is ego-driven. Oh, yeah. Which is fear, right? Right. Your ego's job is to keep you safe. And so it's going to create stories and it's going to create... Your ego is going to help produce the fear to keep you where you are. Right? So the ego is the one that says, Oh, no, you noticed that you don't like this job that you've been in for a really long time? No, but it's the only place that you're mm. going to make this paycheck. It is the only place that you're going to get health insurance. It's yeah. the only way that the universe is going to support you. That's your ego talking. And then your inner self, your inner gut is like that still small voice almost that like the Elizabeth Gilberts of the yeah. world talk about that like teeny tiny inner knowing that you're not on the right track. And so you have to just first, the smallest step that you can start with is when you hear the voice, acknowledge it. It doesn't mean you have to act on what it's saying, but you have to pay attention to the voice. Acknowledgement especially seems to be how to flex that muscle. Absolutely. And when you feel the stretch, a lot of it seems to come from stepping outside of your comfort zone. So if you don't particularly think you're going to fare well in a networking event, you might not know until you go and you try one out. And the first one can be kind of awkward and middle school dancey. And then you might try a second one and it's still kind of weird. And then you try one that fits well and then you feel something. Yes. And you make a connection. But it seems like you can't really flex your intuition muscle until you're out of your comfort zone. Because if you stay comfortable, you don't need it. Similar to weights. If you stay the same weight, then oh you're not going to know. 
I have a quote that yes. I'm going to share with you. Hit it. Um, that it's a Vincent Van Gogh quote that I saw today. And Van Gogh said, Normality is a paved road. It's comfortable to walk, but no flowers grow on it. Hmm. So think about that. Normality is a paved road. It's comfortable to walk, but no flowers grow on it. So you have a choice. You have lots of choices, but a big choice in life is, do I want the status quo? Do I want to take the prescription Mm -hmm. that society tells me that I need to take and fit into that box and be okay with the fact that no flowers are growing on that road? Or am I willing to lean into the fear Mm. and i i preach over and over fear is a signal that it's some unless we're being chased by lions (laughs) fear is often actually a signal that we that there's something for us to move into to learn from Um, so if you would prefer a more adventurous life if you would prefer an authentic life you have to lean into the things that cause fear and I was just thinking too, we often hear that fear, courage, and it looks really cool in our minds, like rock climbing <laughs> or jumping out of an airplane. Um, when we hear fear or courage in a business sense, we think it's really impressive. But I think sometimes fear is, I'm afraid to wear a bright color to the office because I love this job. And if I yeah. stand out, then it might not work for me. And I think sometimes courage is wearing that bright yellow skirt anyway. And I think sometimes Fear is I'm afraid to pitch a new idea in this team that I really love because what if it doesn't work and then courage is doing it anyway. So sometimes it's small, but just as significant as I'm quitting my job and starting my own business. Right. It does not have to be I'm quitting my job and starting my own business. Absolutely not. And often, and, and sometimes it means, sometimes it does mean I'm quitting my job, but it doesn't mean I'm quitting my job and going to an all different, mm-hmm. altogether different industry and starting my own business. Sometimes it means I need to find a place that will embrace my authentic self. Yeah. Right? So something we talk about with clients often is like, what are your core values? And if if you're feeling like, if you've answered and paid attention and acknowledged, like we talked about the acknowledgement, that something's not right. Sometimes when you dig into that, the answer is where you are is not in alignment with your core values. Yeah. And, and, you can, you've got a choice there. You can stay where you're at and be out of alignment or you can make a choice to find something else that will bring you into alignment. Yeah, and a lot of this is the creative work of aligning that you're talking about. Absolutely. How do I put myself like a constellation? How do I line myself up? And what I'm curious about in all of your work with creative endeavors of your own and also coaching other people in their creative work, what are some reasons that ideas just don't come to fruition? Or what are the reasons why people don't finish a creative process? Why, why are some ways that creativity fails? Mm. Sometimes it failed because just exploring the idea was all you needed for it to serve its purpose. Hmm. Like the just starting down that road yeah. is the process of creativity and that's enough. So it was just there to let you explore. It was your gateway into it, and then it's done. Yes. 
I do think that another reason why we fail I can give a life example on this one yes. right now. And I'm failing, but I'm going to unfail this one. <laughs> Did you say I'm going to unfail this I'm one? I'm going to unfail this wow, one. Wow, make that um, a bumper sticker. I'm going to unfail this one. I yeah. love that. So after the goal-setting podcast that we did, we had a panel podcast mm, a mm-hmm. few weeks back, um, I had a very kind person reach out to me and say, hey, I'm a writing professor. I'll help you with your book. And we sat down. And I was like, okay, I'm going to send you my shitty rough draft. Mm -hmm. I'm going to send this out. I'm going to do this. (laughs) And this is the part where I'm failing. I read over the shitty rough draft, which I told her was a shitty rough draft. But it's even shittier than I thought it was. Oh, my God. But here's the thing. like, I need someone else to look over that shitty rough draft first draft of the first right. four chapters to help me identify what the theme is because I don't know. Okay. But I'm terrified to send something so bad to another person. <laughs> Even though it's literally their job to do what you do, which is mine it for gold. You're like, still, it needs to be golden first, though, yeah. before you mind it. So, okay. uh, so that is um, something... Fear of looking stupid to someone mm. else. Oh, that gets me all the time. Oh my God. Yeah. I don't need to be perfect. I've never been someone that needs perfection, but yeah. I have this huge fear of looking ignorant or looking like I don't know what I'm talking mm. about. Yeah. And often, you know, and I am sure I'm not alone in that. And, and I'm sure that that's something that stalls other folks too, because. Yeah. A lot of times, creativity is not done in a vacuum. You you have to share your work with an editor. You have to share your work with a coach or a writing group. So it's given me so much compassion for the folks that are making that really brave step of saying, hey, I want to sit down and work with you. And I'm going to open my book of what feels like a shitty rough draft and mm-hmm. show you, right? right. So it's... And, and I'm going to unfail it because I'm going to just send it to her. I might have to even send it to her after you and I sit Yeah, down. do I need to like um, sit with you? No, 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 no I'll, do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. And she's probably listening, laughing at this at the moment. <laughs> so I think that's a place where it definitely folks can get stuck. Yep. It's just fear of looking stupid. And that, it's the vulnerability of it. It's the, this isn't going to be as cool as I thought. It's the buildup. That's so much more pressure than actually doing the thing. Right. Every cool thing I've ever done, when I'm actually doing it, it's like I'm cruising at high altitude. But getting there is just the worst airport TSA process of all time. Yeah. It's just me holding myself up. Like, let me check your bags. Looks like you have snacks in here. Looks yep. like, is that a weapon? We got to patch you down. Like, I do that to me. It's not the thing yeah. ever. And for me, it feels like this like process of needing to just give her the link to the to mm-hmm. the Google Doc. It's just, it's almost like this morning when you're getting ready to go for that run and it's mm-hmm. 35, de- it's like 33 oh God, degrees yeah. and raining and you're like, oh, oh, yeah. oh. And it, just the thought of it is worse than if I had actually done it. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's always the stuff that's good for you too. Like I do, we've talked about gratitude lists before yes. and I do one 
I say every night, but there are some nights where I don't do it, and I feel like I'm getting out of doing my homework. I'm like so elated. I'm like, ooh, that's I how didn't I feel do about it. meditating. Yeah, and you know what's good for you. Yeah. It's like, ooh, I'm not gonna do it. I feel so good, and then I wake up the next day and, I, and something's a little bit off. And I'm like, you knew, you know exactly what's off. We had, and then the next night I'll have to do the same fight again, a little bit harder. Right. So I remember how fun it was to not do it. But with meditation, or sometimes you're like. No, I'm going to watch YouTube videos for a little bit. It's going to be way this better. Good. Scrolling Facebook. This <laughs> is a way better use of my time my than meditating for five minutes. I love this FOMO and comparison to myself, <laughs> to others. I love, oh, my brain's so delighted. <laughs> so we, we know that we get out of these things. So I'm, I'm curious now, we both coach other people. So what are some of the things that you coach other people on that as you coach them, you're like, and also that's a note for me. Mm. Definitely pushing ourselves through how we look to others. Mm. Okay, I have to, another client <laughs> session recently, and I, <laughs> another client session, a client said the, oh, it was the wisdom of this sentence just kind of blew my mind. She's like, I can't logic myself out of this. Oof. It hurts my stomach. Oh my God, amazing. Yep. Um, and it's so true. I think that for a lot of overachievers like you and I, and probably many of the people listening to this, you think that you can logic yourself into being happy. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that is the opposite of flexing your intuition muscle. Nice. So when you are trying to force it, that's not it. But when it comes to you and you follow it, that's intuition muscle. Yes. Got it. Yes. Forcing Whoa. equals bad. <laughs> Flowing equals good, right? So it's kind of like, <laughs> yeah, the forcing is bad. And it's weird to say logic isn't the right answer. Hmm. That's a, a strange thing. But in life, logic is often not the right answer. Interesting point. Is there a right answer at all then? And if so, how do you know it? How do you play with it? How do you hang out with it? Personally, my right answer is what am I going to regret and what I'm not going to regret. Ooh. Um, Okay. So you go future forward and you think, if I do this right now, will I regret it or not? It's more like, will I regret not doing that thing? Okay. So... That is how I kind of get a, yeah. get around it. It's like, I do not want to be on my deathbed and be like, I wish I had done that. I wish I had not spent 50 years in a job that sucked my soul. Yep. You know, or, or whatever it was. Um, I, I do think future forward, and, and I don't want to live with regret later. So no regrets later. Thinking about that idea of not having regrets... When you started Yoke in Abundance, what are some things that you didn't know were going to happen to you? Mm-hmm. So let's go back for a little. You're just starting this thing out. Yep. What are some things that you had no idea and then subverted? What are some things that you're glad you didn't know? I think when we, we think about time travel to our past, mm. we want to go back and, and give our past selves advice. But what are some things that you didn't know yeah. that you're glad you didn't okay. know? Okay, so one of the things that I had no idea was going to become such an important part of my work was the wise women stuff. Mm. I I just had no idea that that was going to be where my work really is. Mm. And I I love that. I love 
getting to highlight and feature other women. I love, and, and, and what I do know now is how much coaching and showing women that they have the wisdom inside themselves yes. is the same thing. Like I get it um, because coaching is just helping folks see what's already inside themselves. Yes. Okay, what, I, what I'm what i so glad that I did not know is how fast I was going to run out of the money that I'd saved. <laughs> All those provisions. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yep. Really painful. I'm, I wouldn't have done it mm-hmm. if I had known that. Yeah. And, um, you know... All of the business plan. It's really smart to have a business plan. Yeah. It's really, really smart to do your market research, which I did all of those things yeah. beforehand. I recommend that highly. And here comes the other shoe. <laughs> and you know, you can you can research. You can put things out there as far as market value. You know what you think is going to come in, and your projections are going to be wrong. Mm-hmm. They're either going to be wildly more or wildly less, right? Mm-hmm. Then it's gonna go one way or the other. And that is part of the risk that you take as an entrepreneur. And I'm so glad I could not see into the future because mm-hmm. I've had to just figure out ways to make it work. Yep. And and I'm figuring out ways to make it work. And that's not always gracefully and it's okay. Absolutely. And I would add as well, it's not just that you, you're trying to make it work, but you are working. It is yes. working. What yes. you're doing is happening. and. I think that's the the gift of grace, even though if we might not do that gracefully, you are making it work and we're here yes. and it's going and we failed, that all of this belongs in the same area. Yeah, and in, and in the type of work that I'm doing, you know, so many people are willing to hang a shingle on the door and say they're a coach. Mm-hmm. And I don't think necessarily that there's anything wrong with that. Um, because I think we have to, we all have to follow what's in our heart and try things out, and we all have to get there. Now, the problem with that is that it can make what I'm doing seem less valuable. So I know yeah. a lot of photographers have mm-hmm. this same problem often, is that they, a lot of ph- photographers encounter like so many people get a new camera at Christmas time. I've heard that mm-hmm. verbatim from like five photographers mm-hmm. recently. Like people get a new camera at Christmas and all of a sudden they're a photographer. And the quality is nowhere near as good as these people that have yeah. been doing it for a long time. So what I couldn't account for was that I had to prove myself mm. and that I had to not only prove myself, but then also show that I could make it long-term and continue doing it. Because I think that part of the success that I'm beginning to see in this year now is that they're like, oh, you're not gonna just, it's not like you just decided to sell a pyramid scheme for a little bit and are gonna do it for six months and then close up shop. You're actually in it for the long haul. Yeah, this is life now. This is life now. This yeah. is this is your work. <laughs> I can trust you. I yeah. know you're gonna be around. I can refer business to you and know you're not gonna be shutting it down in a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had no idea that that would be a part of the process. And again, I'm really glad I didn't know that. The proving yourself, the not always having all the stuff that you thought you had. <laughs> having to ditch stuff that you didn't know you're gonna have to ditch along the way 
Sort of like uh, I think about Cheryl Strayed going off and hiking the Pacific Crest Trail. <laughs> it's a bit like owning a, owning a business. Yeah. And she was so overpacked and she's like, oh, I don't need most of this and I don't have nearly enough of what I definitely needed. Exactly. And we had no idea, but here we are. <laughs> I love that book. Me too. And I get in arguments sometimes with a friend of mine who has been on the podcast before who owns um, Townsend Bertram and Company and she's like, it prompted so many people who had no idea what they were doing to go <laughs> hike, and it's so dangerous. And I was like, and it's so great. <laughs> it's also great. It's so great. It, yeah, super dangerous, but much like much like starting your own business, quite dangerous, and most of us don't know what we're doing. And I think it's important, I can't reiterate enough, to do it anyway because you love it. Not because I'm going to be the most successful or the best, but because I just love it and there is nothing else for me to you do. You know, here's the thing. Nobody knows what they're doing when they're starting a business. Are we supposed to tell people that? Maybe yeah, we should. People I think should we know, should. Think. Nobody knows <laughs> what they're no doing. Idea. No idea. And <laughs> We're certainly trying. But how uh, true is that for yeah. so many of things in life, right? I mean, you don't know how to write a book until you write a book. Mm -hmm. You don't know how to raise a child until you have a child, but that doesn't stop people from having kids. True. You don't know if you're going to be a good mom until after the child <laughs> right, is already right, and here. We're here now. And that's a life. So, you yeah. know, you're I, right. I think it's totally okay to not know and to do it anyway. Yes. And with that, something that you, you mentioned quite a bit in your writing and in your coaching and in your speaking is this idea of standing in your power. Yeah. So, standing in your power, when I hear that, I picture a woman like a really great suit, really good hair. And she says very cool things that I want to tweet immediately. Yes. However, what we seem to be saying here is standing in your power may also be, I don't know what I'm doing, but we're going to keep going anyway. Yeah. And we're going to learn together. And here's what I have to offer. So talk to me about standing in your power and not necessarily being powerful. Yeah, it's really messy, right? Um, <laughs> you know, it... Here's what it looks like. I wrote a blog post, or it's maybe the introduction to the book I'm working on, that says... Which will be sent today. Yes. <laughs> that you are going to take a leap of faith, mm -hmm. and it's going to feel really big and really, really scary. But the thing is, is that if you're doing something like starting a business or having a baby, you're going to have to take another leap before you even know if that other leap has paid off. You just have to keep leaping over and over and over. And you don't even know yet, oftentimes, whether or not you were successful in those first two, first three, first five leaps. Mm -hmm. And that is power. Absolutely. Power in the leap. I think, too, I want to ask you about so many pieces of the puzzle. And one of them is optimism. And it's, again, one of those things you and I have this common theme when we talk about here's how something looks shiny and then here's how it actually is yes. in real life. And one of them I think is optimism. I was just talking with a young woman today who's recently graduated in like her first really killer job. And she was asking me what it looked like to start my business. And I was fumbling a bit with, you know, here's where it was messy, here's where it was good. And I said, you know, but you just have to remain hopeful and optimistic. And she was like, so steadfast. She's like, you must be hopeful. You must be optimistic. And I was like, girl, at 23, you're not wrong. Uh, but when you've been in the ring for a couple of years, <laughs> sometimes your optimism sounds a lot more like, we will try again tomorrow. We're here. It seems to be working. Let's keep going. And I think when you're maybe younger or newer at this thing, a bit greener, optimism feels very sparkly. And it feels a bit like a Pinterest mm -hmm. quote. And then real optimism, tactically, is like, we're just going to keep going. And we're going to figure it out. 
and it's a bit more straightforward. So tell me about real tactical optimism rather than just the shiny, everything's gonna be fine, this is gonna be great, posed picture optimism, real life optimism. Real life optimism is not, I'm gonna bring in $4,000 worth of billables this month. Mm -hmm. Even if that's your goal, yeah. you can't just say that and hope that it comes in. You just write it down and we're done. <laughs> no, but it's like, what are your KPIs mm -hmm. that are gonna bring you $4,000 worth of revenue? How many speaking engagements do you have? Even if they're not paid speaking engagements, how many people are they gonna get you in front of? Yep. What events do you have that are gonna grow your email list? You know, what, who's on your board of personal board of directors, right? That when you encounter a problem or, you know, a week into the month and you're not hitting your projections that you can go to and say, hey, do you have any, can you help me brainstorm what I need to do to get in front of other people to hit these numbers? That's real life optimism instead of the sparkly Pinterest optimism. Absolutely. So action behind it. You have to put action behind the hope. Love that line. And then from there, what seat does intuition have at your board of directors? So if your board is sitting together, you're coming in to do a presentation on something that you want to do, what seat is intuition in? Hmm. Intuition has to be the driver. And it has to be the driver because when the pedal hits the metal, <laughs> to continue that metaphor, yeah, you're the one that's going to have to deal with the consequences. If you go over the speed limit, you're going to get the ticket. If you hit all the lights perfectly, you're the one that's gonna reap the benefits of that. Certainly. Not the rest of the people at the table. So while those additional, hopefully you've chosen your board of, personal board of directors carefully, but in addition to that, let your intuition be the driver. And have done the homework to flex your intuition muscle enough that you can trust it. I remember when I was first starting, I would have so much free time and I would just sometimes get in my car and drive and just try to mm. wake that voice up. And then it would say, like, go to Target. And be like, but why? And there was no reason. <laughs> it was just, okay, listen, we're here just in case something magical was there. And it was like the secret scavenger hunt. And that's how I got mine to wake up was just, where are we going? Put on a good song. If we're driving for 45 minutes, that's what we're doing. Right. So I remember that's how I got mine started. <sighs> So part of it for me too is the idea of when your intuition muscle says, yeah, it's two o'clock in the afternoon and yes, you could be sending emails right now, but mm -hmm. you're exhausted yeah. and you could go take a nap, taking that nap. So I mentioned that kind of jokingly before, but I'm serious, like listening to your intuition that you actually need to rest right now. Mm -hmm. and, and, and then not second guessing it later by beating yourself and being like, oh, I shouldn't have taken that nap. That How dare you? <laughs> right. Yes if that makes sense. It does. I was just thinking about this thought that I had wherein I asked one of my mentors and someone that I work with about, you know, running a business and she's been, you know, 
in presentation coaching for longer than I've been alive. And she runs her own business and we were talking about it and she was saying some of the things that we talk about and something I talk about with my other friends who are entrepreneurs at this stage and it's this idea of, am I okay to do this? Am I doing it right? Am I doing it right? Am I doing it right? I was like, you're still wondering? And I was so delighted. I was like, do you sometimes go to Target at 11 in the morning and feel like you're breaking the rules? And she was like, all the time. I was like, me too. I was like, I, I think we just do it. <laughs> I think we just do it anyway. And she was like, you know, I just had a tennis lesson yesterday at three in the afternoon. Is that okay? And I was like, it's totally okay. Yeah. yeah have your tennis lesson. But there are some things that, you know, you can tell me, hey, I'm, I'm doing an ultra marathon for, you know, three days. I'm just going to be totally off the grid. And I'd be like, absolutely. But if I tell you, hey, I'm going to take a bubble bath at four, like, I'm going to be nervous about like I'm asking for you to be cool with it. Whereas I'm whatever you want to do to take care of Alicia, I'm like, absolutely. And yeah, but hell for yes. yourself, for it's myself, a whole no, different story. Absolutely not. <laughs> and I think that's the that's the piece of the intuition that we need to listen to more. Hmm. Because sometimes it is taking the bubble bath at four o'clock in the afternoon. So good. Every and, time. And we only think we should be working because that's when the normal people right. are working. <laughs> I know, the people on the on the paved path without flowers perhaps, or who have perhaps brought their own flowers and are doing it differently than we you are. You know, and I have to remind myself that that is the part of the reason why I, why I put up with all of the other portions of entrepreneurship yeah. that are so difficult. It is that when we have a 70 and sunny day, and yeah. if I don't have a ton of meetings, that I did it because I didn't want to be trapped in a cubicle on 70 and sunny days. I wanted right. to be able to say, let's have this client meeting outside or in between client meetings, I can take a walk yeah. and I can soak in the vitamin D and there's not somebody breathing down my neck wondering why I'm not sitting at my desk in a cubicle. Certainly. So if I didn't do it for that, then what did I do it for? Right. If we're not going to take walks, why are we living? And I think too about the intuition muscle is is a bit of trust. So I there's also this thing that's gonna keep happening with your business that I keep seeing as well, that the more cool stuff you do, the more cool stuff you have to say no to. And that is heartbreaking. Right. <laughs> and to not be able to split yourself into three and go to all of it is so frustrating. And I think I am such a way you might be as well, where it's if you ask me to do something, I'm gonna say yes before I even know if I can. You are good <laughs> at evaluating. Thank you, it's a, it's a learned skill of mine. I, I wanna do all of it, and I also wanna take a bath. So it's, it's a bit hard, because I just wanna be living all the time. Right. And so I'm wondering, what are some things that you've had to say no to, either in pursuit of taking care of yourself or for other business ventures, and then what does that feel like, and how do you process and keep moving? What's your, what's your trust walk with saying no to things? Okay, so the last corporate job I worked at, I worked yes. at a job, so I worked at a corporate job for about a decade, and then I worked at another corporate job that was doing the same thing for a year, right? <laughs> but from home. And it, oh, okay, okay, okay. Okay, like, and um, the reason why I bring this up is because yes. last year was quite a bit of a valley for me, financially yeah. speaking, yep. as well, and at the beginning of this year, the corporate job, the last corporate job that I was at, called to ask me if I could work for them 10 hours a week Ooh. doing the least favorite part of my job. Oh my God. The universe was like, door number two. Yeah, they're like, ooh, yeah. do you want to step back through? Mm. Do you want to peek under this curtain again? Mm -hmm. And it was the exact amount of money that I would have needed for a certain bill. 
Oh my God. Okay. Each month, right? Yeah. Yep. And my intuition every was screaming at me, don't do it. Do not do this. You're like, it's such an easy answer. Can we just... And I, this was the first time that I've really put my foot down and listened to my intuition, even in a, it's almost in a bigger way than the quitting my job, even though it seems small, Mm -hmm. but it's that, oh no, no, you're listening. Mm -hmm. Like you're saying, you are conscious and you're listening. You are awake and aware and now you're saying no. And you are saying no from a really informed place that is coming from your intuition. And then I got two clients that month to make up for, you know, that amount. And and I'm not, I don't know that that's going to fix it long term, but it it felt like, you know, how many more clients can I take or what possibilities are going to be open because that time is not, Mm -hmm. you know, and around that same time, there's um, one of one of my favorite stores in Greensboro um, had an opportunity to work the floor um, cool. open up. And it would have been awesome. So not only mm-hmm. would it have been awesome from the standpoint of getting to bask in the energy of that store, which is really great, mm-hmm. um, but being around a business owner that I really respect and feel like I could learn a lot from. And, but again, I had to say no because if I said yes to that, that would it would have meant that I wasn't doing the speaking engagement. I would have had to say no to more speaking engagements. Yep. I would have had to say no to more clients. And ultimately, I know that I, I what I need to leave open is actually for these things that are going to take me towards what I'm most in alignment with. And that is where we're trusting the muscle. Because yeah. it's strong, because it's awake, so it can carry a lot of weight. And I hear you also failing fast and failing often, and that seems to be a muscle mm-hmm. that supports as well. You know, if one really focuses on squats, the other does lunges yeah. or something like this. One's a burpee. <laughs> yeah, one's a burpee, the I failure guess. failure is like a burpee. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's how you know you're really strong is if you can do a lot of them in a row. Right. And I, what I hear is also uh, more and more trust in yourself and in your process where it's even if it's cloudy right now on the run, it's mm-hmm. going to clear up eventually. Yeah. So I... This seems like the right way to go, but it's, I know it's not though, because this one is. And that's a really incredible thing to find within yourself, yeah. which is, a, I, this is a great option. This would solve it immediately, but it's not that one. And I can't tell you why, I just know it's not. Right. And then we just keep going the other way. Yeah. That's a really powerful thing to find out. Well, thanks. Yeah, absolutely, that's so cool. What I'm curious about is on this walk, what are some other things that you have maybe heard that you had to do or heard that you should absolutely not do and maybe tried them and then it didn't work and then what did you learn from that? So we get a lot of advice. As soon as you say you're a consultant or coach, someone, I've once had someone go up to a whiteboard and like draw out how to be a consultant for me as I was consulting them. I was like, oh, thank you so much, I guess. <laughs> so what are some things that you've heard when you've been trusting your instincts and your intuition, you're going on your journey, someone's like, you have to turn right here and you turn right and you're like, oh, great, and then you go back. <laughs> Has there, has there been anyone that veered you off your path? Yeah, I mean, I did start, at one point I think I started last year mm-hmm. doing a little bit of part-time work for someone 
mm-hmm. that was going to be commission only that had nothing to do Yikes. with the type of work that I wanted to be doing. Yeah. And it was because I thought I had to. And so that was out of fear. That was a fear response. Yes. Yep. And it, I spun my feet. I wasted time. And I didn't actually make a dime. Nice. So, you know, I spent <laughs> a couple weeks, significant amount of time, because it was commission-based work. You know, and that was a huge lesson for me. I mean, I think that those listening to this can can hear that, you know, my hang up is security, Mm. you know, steady income, having that coming. And it's a perfectly legitimate hang up to have. We all want to be able to pay our bills. Yeah, of course. Um, But take side hustles that are going to put you in alignment with the work you most want to be doing. And don't outweigh the work that you most want to be doing because we did this for a reason. Right. So if you take a side hustle that outweighs it, now what? Yeah, right. Understandable. So I did end up taking a side hustle um, Mm -hmm. that is a significant amount of time, but because it's directly in alignment with the work that I want to be doing, it doesn't feel like any time at all. And it's not that it doesn't feel like work. I mean, all work feels like work at some Mm. point, but it's so fulfilling. And you get to do the thing that you want to be doing anyway. Now it's just in a different context. I I wonder too then the idea about stubbornness and this thing must look this way. And oh, you got to let go of that. Yeah, like what kind of shedding have you done? You've said yoga and abundance must look this way or else, and then that shed, and then what happens? Yeah, so that ties back into not knowing that the wise women work was going to be as yeah. significant of a part of my business as it's become because I had to shed the idea that. I think it's really important as a coach to be speaking at a lot of different places. So there's a couple lessons here. I thought that first that I would come up with an idea. <laughs> first and of all, I'm coming up with the idea. I would, the I'm going to come up with some idea <laughs> and then I'm going to go talk and present around that idea and then people yeah. are going to like it so much they're going to hire me as a coach. Yeah, bada bing, bada boom. That's but all But really what's happening <laughs> is that Each failure provides another lesson, and then it's my responsibility to share that lesson. Wow. And that has been a learning process of understanding that even those lessons that I probably don't want to put out there mm-hmm. are the ones that are the probably the most important for me to share. And So that's important. It's important to speak like that and and speak on those topics where it's appropriate. But the more I lift up other women and the more I highlight other women and the better job I do of collaborating and making space for other voices, the more successful I can become. And I don't necessarily do it so that I could be more successful. It's just completely not what I expected the 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 path to be a bit different than expected but better would you say oh yeah so much richer always better well and then I have this whole band of girlfriends that yeah I feel like I'm doing it with and it's like yeah. their success becomes my success and my success becomes their success and it's like 
when you can be a cheerleader for someone and get so excited about what they're doing um, on the days that you're not having a great day, it can help lift you up too. Oh, yeah. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, and not even framing it in the, hey, my day sucks, what's good about yours? Help. No, no, no. Just but like, literally, what's You just like yeah. see, you know, like, oh my gosh, this person is just like all of a sudden killing it. Mm-hmm. And you know that she had just as many bad days as you did yep. to get where she is, and she kept going. Absolutely. And that that's what's exciting. Absolutely exciting. One thing that you're that you mentioned that I have to ask you now yeah. is what is at least one of those lessons that you haven't talked about yet that you know you need to? Because you thought you were going to skate by it, but I held on to it. Oh, God. Much like we were in the Mighty Ducks 2 Junior Olympic scene, and I just caught that puck I in the air. I love Mighty Ducks 2. <laughs> Me too. It's the only movie I care about. <laughs> I'm not going to go that far, but I really like Mighty Ducks. I will. I will. Go ahead. What's one lesson that you're like, I don't want to, I wish I hadn't learned it. I wish I hadn't, mm. I didn't have to be the conduit for this lesson, but it's my responsibility you know, to share I, it. Like, I touch on it lightly, but part of me thinks I'm going to end up being a financial coach. Interesting. That was um, not at all what I was expecting. Yeah, and I, I don't, I'm not far enough out yeah. of the problem that I feel like I would be a good coach on it yet. Yeah. Um, and, you know, sometimes they say that the thing that you're most ashamed of mm. Is the thing that you you know talking about standing in your again full yes. circle standing in your power doesn't always look like the woman with the suit on saying the quotable retweetable mm-hmm. message. It's the woman that's crawled out of the mud on her hands and feet <laughs> and learned something that she can pass on to you and give you a different alternative or give you a hand up out of the mud as well. Absolutely, and I think that you know. You were talking about hope earlier, Mm -hmm. and it's funny because I have like a hope PTSD almost. Oh my God. And I would say that, (laughs) because you know, I was this cheery-eyed, hopeful human being that tried this stuff, um, maybe hopefully overinflated what I thought I was going to do, and have fallen flat from what I thought I would be able to do. And what's interesting and great all of it's great and fine and interesting, but I'm losing my train of thought. Um, there, okay. So, so here's where the hope PTSD comes into. Yes. To it is that the young girl that sits down across the table from me is telling me her idea. I have to choose to put my hope hat on for her. Mm the way I hope somebody would have put in the hope hat on for me. Yeah. But now because I've gone through it, I see all of the I see all of the barriers to entry for her. Mm-hmm. And I know she can do it, but I try to give her a measured hope. Because you have to give that person hope. Yeah. But now I'm scared for her. Right. <laughs> but now we're scared. And it's so, such an umbrella statement to say it's not going to turn out the way you think it does. Keep going anyway. But that is seems to be the resounding message over and over again throughout our conversation is that it's going to be different than you think. Yeah. It has been different than we thought. We kept going anyway. Now we're here and it's beautiful and organic and real like a Whole Foods. And... <laughs> 
and we're so happy to be here. What a fun place to be in, but it's not at all what I expected. Yes. And those expectations are valuable because if we know the dreams and we know what's important to us, but the dream is not going to be the thing that we actually do. And so knowing the way your hope has gauged over the years and we know what you would perhaps coach past Alicia on, what advice do you have for future Alicia? What would you tell her, you know, like five years from now, Alicia, 10 years from now, Alicia? I really hope you have a boyfriend. (laughs) Get it together. (laughs) Have the audacity to hope in relationships. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh my God. You know, I laugh because it's funny because it's so true. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I get it. I, I, um, that is something I will probably never be as a relationship coach because <laughs> I just not have, I've not won that battle yet. Um, yeah. What would I tell future Alicia? Yeah, what advice are you giving her? Not, you better have this or else. <laughs> what advice are you giving her? <laughs> Don't doubt that 36-year-old Alicia was doing the best that she could. Mm. And I'm sure that future Alicia, so I guess 41-year-old Alicia five years from now, Uh don't lose the wonder of your 18-year-old self. Ah, What was the wonder of your 18-year-old self? that you're gonna change the world and you're gonna make it a better place. Um, that's what, isn't that what every 18 year old wants? Either that or to have their parents stop telling them what to do and to have a cool car for some reason. I think Saved by the Bell really did a number on us. <laughs> <laughs> we all needed a Zach Morris Corvette for some reason. Maybe. Yeah, but you wanna change the world in like a I cool did. car. I did. Yeah. <laughs> and by cool car, I want a truck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's, I don't lose that wonder of that younger self. And I guess what my grandmother always tells me is don't stop moving. Mm. And so I think what I would hope for my 41-year-old self is that you haven't stopped moving. I want to talk to you about that. Don't stop moving, but also so much of your internal work is stillness and listening. So put those two together. Those are juxtaposing Mm -hmm. ideas. How do we not stop moving and be still? That's like the person that wants to meditate to make their mind quiet. Yeah. (laughs) Which is not the thing, right? The thing is to be able to observe. Okay, awesome, keep going. Right, so stillness is important so we can observe what's going on. But you, oh my God, in in my late 20s, earlier 30s, I was, inexhaustible physically Mm. like I would I was you know running half marathons and never a marathon but half marathons and you know like an 18.6 and miler and trail runs and running four to five days a week and I was doing yoga and I was doing all sorts of things and I was riding my bike and doing all of those things and it was the more I could exhaust my body, the better able I was to be to be still so I could observe. Hmm. Is that still the case now? I'm just more tired now. Yeah, now we're just tired. We're ready to observe. We're so tired. No, no, no. <laughs> um, and I know it's one of those counterintuitive things that the more you work out, mm-hmm. for example, the more energy giving that is. So don't stop moving 
from a literal standpoint, mm -hmm. don't stop moving. Even when you get tired, keep moving. But also, you have to be able to sit and observe so that you can keep moving. Unless you want to be the person that keeps doing the thing over and over and over again that mm. never worked for them. Absolutely. What it reminds me of and why I got so excited as you were saying to observe and to be still as you move and to move as you're still is uh, Rumi tells us to cultivate the witness of our experience. Yes. So you are living and then you're also witnessing. So as your own witness, maybe of this week or of this month, how are you doing? What have you seen of yourself? And what does your witness have to say about what you're building in alignment with your 18-year-old goal of changing the world, mm. your future self, knowing that your present self is doing your best? What are you witnessing? The importance of doing things that you really don't like that much. <laughs> Name one. Sometimes I'll go to yoga classes at studios in Greensboro and not to name any names. And while they do just fine and they are true to the values of that particular studio, they're not my values. Yeah. And so it's what I've learned is it's so great for me to go and experience those classes because I get really good at knowing what I don't like. Yes. But that's really Absolutely. important for a teacher, right? So that's yeah, important. Yeah, you have to know. That's also important in your work. And I, you, I can apply that to the importance of those 10 years that I spent yeah. working a job that I did not like, 11 years, a job that I not only didn't like, but I really honestly deep down hated yeah. I learned so much about myself yes and to value that so that's a lesson that I've been sitting with a lot is the how much value there is in doing the things that don't necessarily feel good in the moment I was just thinking about one of the best ways to figure out what you want for dinner is to say what you definitely don't want for dinner. Yes. And sometimes one of the best ways to know what work you're meant to do is what work do I absolutely hate? And for me, it's Excel sheets. Um, death before Excel sheets. I will make it in Word all day. Yeah. But I, it's just, it's not going to happen for me. And that's such a minute example of that. But I, what I hear is you seeing yourself full out, knowing that all of it was valuable and that it all seems to be leading towards something. And it's so fun for me to say from an observer of you observing yourself, if we can get meta for a second, is you mentioned some financial stuff, it was so frustrating, and then you're saying, hey, I'll probably be a financial coach. And just, <laughs> just the internal amount of work that has to go into, this was so frustrating and annoying, I will probably end up helping other people through it. And to have that sort of Sherpa mentality of, I'm gonna up the mountain, that sucked, I'm going to create a rule book about how we're going to do this a bit better. I'm going to give it to people as an option, and then I will walk up the mountain with them. Yes. <laughs> that is such an intrinsic thing of yours. It's like, this sucks. I hate it. Later, I will help people. <laughs> yeah. I had a, a manager who I loved. He was like the big brother I always wanted. And we worked together for a very, very, very long time. And... He, was, he would make fun of me. And you know that people love you if they can make fun of you in a way that's so true. Yeah. And he could do that. And he would say, Alicia, it's not just enough for you to go take yoga classes. You have to get your yoga teacher training. And then it's not <laughs> just enough for you to teach a yoga class. you got to open your own studio. Yep. And it's like, for me, once you learn something, it becomes your responsibility to share it. And that was something that my 
my primary yoga teacher over the years believed about yoga. And I don't know that I, if I internalized that or mm. if that was always a part of my nature, but sh her belief was if you love this and you care about this and you see the value in this, it becomes your responsibility to make sure that other people have that opportunity as well. Certainly. And sometimes we know that by being a bad student. Not a bad student, just an annoying student. I'm quite an annoying student. And it is so valuable for me to know that. Uh, my pure stubbornness comes through in martial arts like no place else. And I think about all the times I would cry during martial arts training, which was many. Mm -hmm. And I had so many male teachers who would just look at me crying there in my gi and belt, and just like their hands in the air, like, what do I do with this in front of me? Because <laughs> um, getting hit hurts. I don't know if yeah. you, it hurts a lot. And so now I teach girls, and I've got this one who is 13 years old, and sometimes she'll just be so shocked at the stuff we're doing, like, because her little body's not used to it. You know, she's only lived so long. And there was one day where she was just, you know, I was knocking around a little bit to help her, like, get rid of her puppy paws, so to say. And I wasn't hurting her, but I was, you know, I was pushing her a little. And then she just sort of stepped back and put her hands up, and then she sat down. I said, hey, are, are you okay? And she just goes, she looks at me with these, just the truth behind her eyes. She just looked at me and goes, I'm just a little sensitive today. And I just looked at her, and I, I sort of stepped back, and I went, yeah, that's fine here. You can, you sit as long as you need. <laughs> and I thought about how many times I needed to hear that from a teacher, but how I was never brave enough to just say, hey, I'm a little sensitive today. Wow. I couldn't believe it. It changed my life. And how often in life do we need to be able to say, hey, I'm a little sensitive today. Oh my God. Yeah. And have someone be like, totally. Yeah. yeah. You know what else I'm learning about myself? Tell me. 50% um, of the time? No. 25% of the time, I do not play well with others. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay, I know you know that's true. I know that's true because you stretch first, then you cross your arms over yourself to protect yourself as you said it. Uh, yeah. Going. You're like, so <laughs> we want to say it, but this, it's we're interesting say it safe. when you, and I want to say it's safe, and I want to say this on the podcast because I think that often we feel like we need to get along with everyone mm -hmm. as women. And totally. I've put out in my head a persona of myself that I do get along well with everyone. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to uncross my arms now. <laughs> now we said laughing. it. It's out there. Now that I've said it. <laughs> and I'm realizing that, there, that I can do a couple things with that. Mm -hmm. I can recognize just where and how I'm triggered to not play nice with others. And I can change my behavior around that and step back. Or I can embrace that part of myself and say, and just be okay with the not playing well with certain personalities. But the, the great thing is, is that because I've become aware of it, because I've learned to be introspective and self-aware, that it becomes a choice and not just a default. And what are some of the words that you say internally to make the choice? So let's say you're on someone, you've got one of those personality types that you've cataloged. We know we don't really like this vibe and it's happening. It's coming like a freight train. So what happens in your head? What's your mental process to either decide to stick it out or how are we going to play nice or what are we going to do? Well, I was in a meeting recently and somebody said something that I thought was really rude and disrespectful. And I recognized it and I recognized that it was not the time or the place for me to like have a cat fight. Yeah. Um, and so I took a really big deep breath. 
Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was a meeting where there were other people around. And then the next day, one of the folks who was in that meeting was like, wow, you and that person seemed a little bit like oil and water. And I got upset and I was like, why aren't you praising me for having <laughs> taken the breath and not attacked this human being. Excuse me, acknowledge how well I did first no, of all. Yeah, exactly. And I was like really upset that um, they didn't acknowledge that I took a breath. And she was like, yeah, you had to recover, Alicia. How dare you? And I was like, well, isn't it better that I took a breath and recovered and didn't just like yeah. lash out at this person for would, being rude? Yeah. Um, Let's see where the bar really is. Right. But I've realized like, okay, yeah, if it's visible that I have to take a breath to recover, I'm really okay with that. Ooh, yeah. Because that's what, if people know that I'm having a difficult time. So that's what, like, how often do we hide behind, like, do we try to pretend that we're not having the feelings that we're having? And me taking a breath to recover and not saying something nice is actually an appropriate response. Definitely. The inappropriate response would have been lashing out at that person, which I did not do. Right. Act of choice. Act of choice. (laughs) And so I'm going to choose to be proud of myself and and try to reinforce the the exercise and the intervention of pausing. Mm Mm-hmm before I respond, because that's what allowed me to make a better choice. And I think the acceptance of, okay, people saw that I didn't handle that 100% is one of the hardest things, especially when you're a coach, especially when you're a speaker, people pay you to come in and present at top level. And then when you have a human moment and then someone sees it, it's like, oh, great, shut it down. Like, that's it for me. And, you know, that's the part of me that I have a really difficult time. Like, that's back to, like, the book piece of things. Um, I think this is a big revelation for me in my life because I do not like to seem stupid. I don't like to seem like I don't care about something. I don't seem I don't like to appear like I don't have every little thing together. And I'm gonna get okay with not not being liked and not mm-hmm. playing well with 25% of the population. I'm really Certainly. okay with that. And I think the willingness to take a stand as well. Sometimes it's a bit of a gamble, just like gambling when we when we say no to certain things in our business. We have to do it personally as well. So if someone's acting a certain way and just shutting it down really sternly and feeling that negative vibration come off of them and just standing firm and saying, no, not here. No, I've worked too hard to build this thing and, and you're not going to operate that way next to me. That is a gamble in and of itself. Yeah. And Because I think, especially you are so attuned yourself intrinsically and internally that you feel it perhaps deeper or longer than others might. Right. Like I stewed on that experience for a week straight. Yeah. And hung out with it. And I'm still stewing on it. Yeah, I can see it. (laughs) It's like haunting a bit. (laughs) But it's a learning. Yeah. You know, what can I take from that experience? Certainly. Yeah, the, the humbling experience of being up at the front for something and then not doing it well and someone sees it does not get less painful with practice. No. Just so that we're all clear. <laughs> it only gets worse because yeah. you think you should have it down more. And I think that's what I'm so intrigued by with your idea about failing fast, your intuition muscle. How often can you keep jumping into the pool when you think you should be better at it by now? How often can we keep trying to swim and, and sinking a bit and then you know just ungracefully clawing our way back up to the top of the water? Yeah. So in 
a year from now, what grace will you give yourself in that same arena? Not just like gonna, interpersonally. Or? Yeah, like interpersonally as a business. You know, you said I'm going to let myself breathe, and if people see it, then so be it. But what other grace do you think you'll you'll let yourself have next year? You know that experience, because something similar had happened, like the month before oh with God. a different person. Yeah. Um, which I didn't handle as well as the taking the breath. I had I had a much more human moment than just taking a breath. Mm-hmm. Um, and. You know, I because I'm such a learning focused person, it's not that I want to it's not that I don't necessarily want to experience that feeling of reacting. It's that I want to know what to do with it. Mm. And so the grace that I want to give myself is like, okay, Alicia, you just like I would say with someone that's learning to flex their intuition muscle. Like, I want to give you a pat on the back for paying attention. So first you get the pat on the back for paying attention. You're observing, you're acknowledging, you're writing it down now. Let's go ahead. What You get to figure out what else you can do with that. What else can you learn here? Mm-hmm. So it made me think like, okay, what classes could I take around interpersonal development? What classes could you take around nonviolent communication that you could potentially work with folks who you might not, you might be oil and water with, but you still want to get things done with. So the grace that I want to give myself is like, I hope that, you know, in a year from now you'll have taken a class and okay. have some more tools in the toolbox to respond besides just taking a breath. <laughs> there would be something else there and perhaps practice as well. Yeah. So we would have, and I think the thing with asking for practice is that you get it and it, you still. Oh shit, I just yeah. asked for more of those You asked for more of those moments. Oh, we're going to be pushed a little bit more. And then what I want to know too is in that moment, were you, where we had this, you know, oil and, and water moment, were you at your best and then knocked out of your flow or were you not at your best? Like, were you hungry? Were you tired? Mm. Like, how were you it in that moment? It had been a really long day. It had already been a long day. Yeah. So your defenses were kind of down anyway. Yeah. And what I want to know is how do you know when you're operating at your peak? Like, how do you know your light is on? Not just in those conflict moments, but just in general, if we pan back out, how do you know when your light is on and how do you know when it's off? Did you get your run that day? Did you get your exercise in in that day? A full checklist, yes. I mean, did you eat nourishing foods that day and Mm -hmm. that got you there? Did you get enough sleep the night before? Mm -hmm. And I mean, here's the thing. As an entrepreneur, those things are not always within our control. I mean, yes, all of those things are within, quote unquote, our control. Right. And as a, quote unquote, starving entrepreneur (laughs) at some points, if somebody books you for two speaking engagements the day before, you're probably going to take those. Yeah, oh, definitely. Like one in the morning and one in the evening. Okay, it's going to be rough and I'm going to be wrecked the next day. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to have to deal with the consequences of being wrecked the next day so I can stand in what I want to be my power right. on those on that day before. Right. So there are times where you go where your light maybe is a bit dimmed. Yeah. On purpose. On purpose. Because we took this under, not under duress, but because we needed to. And now we're and here. And because why would you want to say no to two really fun yeah. speaking engagements? <laughs> I think what, what I noticed too and what I want to know is your, your pre-speaking pump up like I listen to certain songs I say certain things to myself in the car 
Like, what are some things that when you're at your best, you, you, we know you've exercised, you've eaten well, you've drank enough water, but what are some things like right before the moment? You're breathing, I'm sure. Mm. Perhaps in half pigeon, I would imagine. But what are some, what have you done like in the car ride? Like what song are you listening to? Like what nice things are you really saying like to yourself? I really like Glorious Macklemore. Okay. Really love that song. Glorious by Macklemore. Okay, yep. got it. Same love, Macklemore. I'm a big Macklemore fan. It's a new new experience for me. <laughs> he pumps me up quite a bit. I'll even sing his work just walking or mm. on walks. Uh, okay. So that totally pumps me up and gets me in the flow. Perfect. Um, having had enough time to get ready in the morning, put on an outfit that I feel good in, yep. and actually do my hair and makeup, and I'm one of those people that I don't believe that you should have to put on makeup to look professional, but yeah. I feel good yeah. when I put on. So I'm one of those people that if I'm really, really sick one day, to try to make myself feel better, I try to make myself look better. Okay. So like I'll put on a lot of makeup and like probably will look better on that day that I'm sick than I do the other days of the week. Mm -hmm. Because it, so that kind of like gets me in the flow if I'm like wearing my power suit and my yeah. power heels and singing my Macklemore. <laughs> That's how we know we're ready to yeah. get in the ring. Yeah. <laughs> I know you probably thought in your mind uh, as you were getting ready for this podcast that I wasn't going to quote Rob Bell, but I absolutely am going to. <laughs> I know you thought perhaps this will be the one time we hang out and she doesn't, but it's not. I know you and love him. It's <laughs> okay. And he recently talked about this thing that I want to know your thoughts on. And he said, Blessed are those who are in on the joke. That's the joke that nobody knows what they're doing. <laughs> what do you think the joke is? Yeah, it's totally like that none of us have any idea what we're doing. <laughs> and why is that funny? Oh my God, it's hilarious because there's so many people out there telling you that they are the expert on a certain thing. And we pay thousands and thousands of dollars to figure out how to lose weight, to have more energy, Whatever it is, like even, you know, someone coming to me to get clarity, but the joke is that none of us know what we're doing. Even with the cool headshots, though? Even there. with the cool headshots. <laughs> you can have the best photographer. You can have paid for the best website. You can have the best sales funnel. And they are just throwing shit at the wall to see what mm -hmm. sticks. And I think, the, I think that those that do well in business it's like you find the people that at least they resonate and you feel like you're in on the joke too yeah that they bring you that's inclusive not exclusive yeah absolutely and also the the joy and the delight in not knowing and doing it anyway seems right. to be a big deal right. too yeah well that's that's what i wanted to know from you is there anything else that you want to talk about or hit on that we haven't done enough of no, this has been fantastic. <laughs> awesome. I really appreciate you <laughs> this is so fun. interviewing me. And I just want to share with the Yoga and Abundance listeners that um, this kind of came about because you shared with me. Can I, I share this? You're going to do it. Yeah, Can I hit I? it. Okay, that yeah, now you, I have to do it. You do. You had to do it anyway. Oh my God. I'm sweating. Go ahead. That you want to have a podcast. I do. And so I said, come be my guinea pig. <laughs> Please interview me. I love to do an episode occasionally where somebody else asks me the questions. Absolutely. So that everybody listening can get to know me a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And so I really appreciate that you were game for that really Absolutely. big request. 
Always. I'm very happy that you had me. Thank you so much. And thank you for holding me accountable on your podcast now. I can't so wait annoyed. to listen to your podcast. <laughs> thank you. Not to get through, but here we are. Thank you so much. Bye. I hope today's episode inspires you to get to know your entrepreneurial side a little better, whether you're a business owner or not. Get comfortable looking deeply at what's happening in your life and your business and call things like you see them. And if you're loving the Yoke and Abundance Wise Women podcast, please head over to iTunes, fill in some stars for us, and let other people know what they can expect by writing us a review. It's an easy gesture that can have a major impact for a podcast. Thank you so much for being a part of the Yoke and Abundance community. Don't keep this podcast a secret. Please take 10 short seconds and share this podcast on social media or with a friend. Check out our website, yokeandabundance.com, to sign up for the online session of In the Company of Women or schedule your free discovery call with me to bring clarity to what you most want and build the roadmap to get there. A huge thank you to our sponsor, Triad Local First, and my wonderful editor and producer, Ira Sterling at Julia Sound Recordings. Remember, every one of us has wisdom within. Keep sharing your words of wisdom because you never know who you'll inspire.